I think that should be coming through. Yeah. Um, welcome, everyone. Um, anyone here for the first time tonight? Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Normally people are more enthusiastic than that, but I, I guess we're a little overwhelmed by the worship and the prayer. So, um, so we, we're carrying on with our series on worship, um, and tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be speaking about uh, worshiping in secret, or secret worship. Um, man, all these topics could be huge. Um, and, and so I'm just, I'm just going to share my heart on this, um, look at some scripture, and just share what I believe the Lord is saying to us as a body. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a reality that anything I say tonight, everything I say in terms of kind of practice of, of what I do when I try and worship in secret, um, like all of us can do these things. Um, and all of us can do them religiously out of rote or pattern or obligation or guilt. <laughs> these things, you know, all those things. Or we can do them out of a heart that that is to worship the one who loves us. Um, and that's really where I believe, we're, you know, that's where the Lord wants to take us tonight, to that, to that second place. Um, that this worshiping is secret is, is about encountering him and encountering, as Cass said, the one who loves us. Um, you'll, I'm not gonna get her to speak about this because I, I don't have a ton of time tonight, but if you notice, I'm sure you've all looked at the slide and Giselle designs these um, slides for us for each sermon series. Um, you know, and I thought maybe I'd see a flag up there or, you know, instruments. I don't know, what you put for worship. Um, and I, I was really curious about this, this pottery. Um, and, it, and it keeps moving me. And I, and I think it's, it's really particularly, it is important for this whole series. And I think it's really important for tonight, especially for, for this message. Um, that when we are in worship and when we are before the Father, we are placing ourselves in a position where he can shape us and he can form us. And particularly in secrets, it's just the two of us. And we're not distracted by all the people around us and things around us, but his hands can craft us. So, you know, keep, keep looking back at that. Um, I, I wanted to give a little shout out to someone in church, but I'm actually not going to name who it is. I just wanted to say how proud I am of him. Um, you know, um, Sid comes up here and, and Giselle as well frequently and talks about different things that you can do in church, and one of those things is um, dance home group. And um, you know, and there was this, this call for people together for dance home group. I've been I've been once, and and I've, as I've said, I absolutely loved it, but I felt it was best for the woman that I wasn't there because I was a distraction because of the lack of quality of, of my dance. And Giselle would still... That's not true. That's not, she would welcome me back. She would love... Yeah, exactly. It's completely me. But I'm just so proud of this one man in the church who at the last session went. A whole lot of ladies and one guy. Um, and I'm not going to name him because it's, it's between him and the Lord. The girls know him. Um... It might also make him really attractive to the ladies if they know that he did this, I'm just saying. But he testified about how awkward he felt and how difficult it was. So I know I'm trying to sell this for you, Giselle. Um, but then what was most precious 
was that the whole time that he was there and he was wrestling with himself, he, all he could feel inside him and all he could hear inside him was he is worthy. He is worthy. He's worthy of my dance, no matter how bad it is. He's worthy of my embarrassment, no matter what that looks like. He's worthy. And I, have, and I love that. You know, we, we, often, we often quote David in sermon series, and I'm gonna talk about him today. You know, this, this line that he uses, that I will become even more undignified than this. We'll get to that scripture later in the series. Um, but I actually love the next line when he says, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. And yeah, he, you know, his wife is concerned he's humiliating himself in front of other people, but it's, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes because he is worthy. And, um, and God is doing something. I know we've, we've, a lot of us have talked about Asbury. I'm gonna mention one, one thing about that tonight. Um, we, we're hearing stories, so many stories um, about the Lord moving in, in so many different churches, so many different types of churches. You know, it's just, he's moving. And he's bringing people into, into personal contact with his spirit. For many people for the first time. And it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And there's, this, there's just there's a grace that he's giving us to be stepping into intimacy with him. So, so as I speak tonight, just be, just be, just be <laughs> planning your next move. What's this gonna look like for you to be stepping into intimacy with him? to be stepping into that secret place with him. And remember, God looks for those who worship in spirit and truth. And that's maybe one of the things that I, I love the most about worshiping in secret, that kind of secret place, is that I, I have no responsibilities, I have no duties, I have no, um, no one distracting me, it's just me and him. And I can't hide. <laughs> As if we can hide anyway, of course, but you know, the the, I can just be with him and have his focus on me and I, can, and I can be worshiping him. And I think it's the easiest place to get into that worship of spirit and truth that Jesus tells us he looks for. So we've got a couple of Old Testament um, examples and I'm just gonna you know, mention two. The first one is obvious, um, that's David. You know, the man who, write, who writes so many Psalms. The man who kills Goliath, but before he kills Goliath, he is known to the men of Israel, or at least some of the men in the king's court, as a man of war and a man of song. We know that he kills the lion and the bear, but we know he credits the Lord with that, for protecting him. We know when he's anointed as king, he's not of royal family, he's not the oldest son, he's the youngest son who is sent to look after the sheep. He's the least in the family. And yet we know these words so well, and this is um, what Luke says, of, quotes in Acts, when God says of David, he is a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. He's a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. He's a man of worship. And we get this wonderful line, it's one of my favorite um, verse, I'm sure for many of us, it's one of the favorite verses in all of scripture when he is you know, confronting Goliath. This man of worship. And he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head 
pretty bold, isn't it? And I love the way he says, it's the Lord who will conquer you. I'm going to kill you. But he knew the character of the Lord. And the Lord knew his character because they had spent time together in secret. The other example, and it's just a small thing, but you know, one, of the, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, one of these men that's just astride the Old Testament is Daniel. The man who, who interacts with the supernatural so profoundly. He's a man that the angel calls beloved of heaven. How cool is that? In the Old Testament, to be known in heaven and loved in heaven. He's a man who interprets dreams. He's a man who prophesies hundreds of years ahead. He's incredible. And we get this little clue about him. In Daniel 6, verse 10, we're told he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. That was his life. His life was to be before the Father in prayer. In his case, we face towards Jerusalem to where the Lord's, where the Lord's temple was. We don't have, to, we don't have that obligation. <laughs> but that was his pattern. As Tyler, you know, Tyler and I have both said in our sermons, um, this idea of, of worship is, you know, we become what we worship. We become what we idolize. And if our, if our attention is set on the Lord, if our time is spent with the Lord, if our hearts are connected to the Lord, then we start to become more like him. And, and worshiping in secret is not just, you know, it's obviously not just singing. It's the thing that a lot of us do. You know, we go and we read our Bibles. We read scripture. But it might be meditating. It might be falling on our knees and weeping. It might be dancing. Anything that, that, that expresses our heart of love to the Lord and a heart of surrender to the Lord. You know, and, and we can go sit down and we can just read scripture because it's rote and it's what our parents told us to do and it's what we expected to do. Or we can go and read scripture with a heart that says, Lord, will you speak to me through your word? It is precious to me and it is life. And will you, will you shape me with scripture? We can come to him and we can ask to meet with him. And true worship in secret and this idea of being transformed is to surrender to him. And that's maybe the hardest part. But will we surrender to whatever he brings to us? Whatever he tells us to do? Because that's when we really start to take on his character. That's when rebellion in us starts to die. That's when the flesh starts to grate. Will we surrender to him? It's amazing to me how I can have the most amazing worship times with the Lord and I can can be really sensing his presence and you'll say something to me and my flesh will just go, no, no, it's too much. And those are the best places to be. Because then I know I'm getting serious with him and he's getting serious with me and he's shaping me. And there's a little lump in that pot that he's just smoothing. 
And two days ago, it was, it was just the thought of, and it's such a simple thing, it was just the thought of giving him everything. Which of course I say, of course I give Jesus everything, don't I? Of course I give him everything. But there was a moment in prayer where the Holy Spirit came, came and talked to me and said, will you give me everything? And I was like, mm, I, just, I just want a little bit of say in my life. Does this, you know, what does this mean? What are we talking about exactly here? If I give you everything. And I had to wrestle with him. But it was in secret that he could do that with me. And, that, and, that, and that's maybe the uncomfortable thing about secret worship is that you don't know exactly what he's gonna do. He might start talking about wounds. He might start talking about attitudes. He might start pointing out parts of our lives that we haven't surrendered. But hey, that's when we're getting serious about our walk with him. And we're not playing churchianity. But we're giving him space to speak. And again, like David models this for us. We know these words so well, but will we live them? And and he's willing to come to the Father and he knows the Father's thoughts are good. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Anything. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. And that reward, that reward comes. Test me, speak to me, challenge me, and then lead me on, on this walk of life. It's such a beautiful promise. And if, we, if we're gonna be secret worshipers, this is what we do. We come before him and say, Lord, have your way. Test me. Show me. And Jesus models this for us. And in Jesus' case, we see in Scripture, it's particularly around prayer. But this idea of getting alone with God, I know it's something we've heard lots of sermons about. You know, I know we think it's a good principle, but this is what Jesus himself did. Matthew 14, 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. In verse 23, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. In Mark 1, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In Luke 5, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In Luke 6, in these days he went out of the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. He, he sets this model that it's time alone with God. You know, I, I, I love that Jesus, you know, when he talks about himself, he doesn't say, I am the son of God. All creation was made through me. I can do everything and anything that I want. All those things are true. He says some of those things in different ways in different places. But when he's speaking to his disciples and he's modeling life for them, he says, I can do nothing. And I know we think he's kind of lying there. I know we don't actually say he's lying, but that's kind of what we think. Well, he's the son of God. He's Jesus. Of course he can do anything. But will we actually take his words seriously? I can do nothing. I can only do what the Father tells me to do. I can only do what the Father shows me he is doing. 
Like Jesus is completely dependent on the Father. The miracles, the signs and the wonders, the revelations, the prophecy, all of that comes from these verses, from that time with the Father being alone with him, being a man who worshiped in secret and connected with his Father. So that when he was in the crowd and there was 5,000 people around him and the sick were being brought to him, the spirit, the connection in his spirit to the Father was so strong that he could minister. And so if, you know, if secret worship is important for him, if secret time with the Lord is important for him, it has to be important for us. It has to actually be priority number one for us in our lives. And you know, I've, you know, I read my Bible, I read it through a few times when I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time in prayer. Um, I was in my 30s when I actually started to consciously expect and know that this was actually when God would turn up and interact with me. That I wasn't just doing this because it was something I had to do, but this was actually when he would meet me. Because he is the God who seeks those who worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus models this for us, and then in Matthew 6, we get these, these three instances where Jesus calls us into privacy. And I know he's not saying necessarily just worship in secret, but see his heart here. I'm gonna read two of them. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He says the same thing about fasting and he says the same thing about giving. So he says, but you, this is verse 17, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The father is spirit, the father is in the secret place. The secret place is us being alone with the Father, but it's us being in the place where the Father is, which just means being in the Spirit, to be communing with Him. And these scriptures are profound because it says that He will see us. Like, when you do this, He sees. He sees. And then, Logan, because I know this is gonna motivate you, He rewards you. I'm teasing, but you know, isn't that cool? That he actually says, and he will reward you. Like, you will be blessed. That promise of everlasting life, that promise of walking in life, like the Father is going to reward you. You will be blessed. Spend time with him. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? He will reward. So, um, Worshiping in secret, I, I, have, I have the advantage, and some of you have been to my, my, my farm, I have the advantage that I have, a, I have a huge barn, a fairly big barn where I can go and worship. And if I sing really, really loudly, my wife will hear me up at the house. But I have to really try hard. Um, and so I, I can sing um, as loudly as I want to. Um, I also have a flag, which some of you have seen. Um, and I know, I know, it's really kitschy to a lot of people. Um, but this, this flag was given to me by a woman who came to pray over my house um, because my house was haunted. That's another, that's another story for another time. Um, and um, she prayed, slightly crazy woman, amazing prophet. 
amazing. Just don't get prayer with her if you're not serious. Um, so she brought a couple of friends and they were crazy and they prayed over the entire farm, which took them a long time. And she left and she said, um, I'm just giving this to you because I have worshiped with this before the Lord and it is anointed by his presence and when you worship with it, he will be on your farm. No, it's a piece of cloth, isn't it? Yeah, but if you read the Bible, people got healed by cloths that touched Paul, didn't they? So, um, so cloths can actually be quite powerful. Now, I, I don't bring this to church very often and worship with it, mostly because I look stupid, okay? But um, it's also, it's really big. Like, this will hurt you. And I've killed so many little fairy lights with this thing. It's ridiculous. Um, but I love to wave it. My, I, I do it with my kids. They're about the only people who see me ever doing it. Um, and, and, I, and I love it because I can express myself in a way that might be ugly, but it's just me and the Lord. And every time I see this go over my head, I can think of the Lion of Judah that is jealous over his children. And sometimes after I've worshipped for a while, I will fall to my knees and because he's speaking to me and I'll wrap myself in it and I feel his protection over me. And I'm sure some of you have found this, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a heart and intent to, to worship the Lord and it might be hard, you might have been through a hard week. You know, sometimes I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll press play on, on the music and the Lord's there, poof, you know. Sometimes I've got to get through a song, sometimes I've got to dance my heart out like David until I'm sweating and I'm five or six songs in. And then, he, and then he comes and he moves and whatever's bothering me just breaks. Sometimes he will lead me into intercession. A, a person will pop into my head, a name, and I'll pray over them. Sometimes it'll be warfare, you know, sometimes it'll be blessing. Sometimes he'll call me to pray over the church or Taylor or town or. Sometimes the, the spirit will kind of take over in a very nice way and, and just bring me to praying in tongues. And because I don't know what to pray and he, he leads. Um, and that's a, that's a, tongues is a, a whole sermon in itself. But one of the most beautiful things about the gift of tongues is what Paul says in Corinthians when he says it edifies us. And so as we worship with tongues, we are being built up by the Spirit. And it's what a beautiful promise. There's, um, you know, as I said last week, or two weeks ago, you know, as we think about corporate worship, I love corporate worship because this, you know, Jesus says we're two or three or more gathered. And where there's, you know, however many dozen we have whose hearts are focused on the Lord, like he shows up. And it's beautiful. But our corporate worship will often, and I, th I think always actually, be what we do in secret and what we bring. And there's often times where we're broken and we're down and all these things, you know, and we just come as we are, and that's absolutely fine. That's what we want. But our secret worship, it, it manifests when we're together. One of, one of my favorite stories and it's kind of a weird one. It's a story that Bill Johnson um, tells, when, you know, and it's from a few years ago, but he was, he was worshiping at the front of Bethel, um, and, this, and this woman came up, they have people at the front dancing a lot, a lot of the time. 
just worshiping. And this woman came up to the front um, and he looked at her and he knew that she was possessed, like full on possessed demonically. And you know, you'd think, well, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says go and pray, you know, rebuke. The Bible gives you ideas. But Bill, um, they just happened to have a particular woman dancing on the stage that day during worship with a flag. And so he went over to her and talked to her and just asked her, would you go dance in front of that woman over there, that one standing in black? And so she crossed over the stage from, I think, right to left, crossed over the stage. And as soon as she started worshiping in front of this woman, she just fell to the ground delivered because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was in this woman and in her dance and in her worship of the Lord. That that secret power and authority and relationship and whatever that is that does that. But she had cultivated that and the Lord moved. So I'm gonna finish, finish um, with the Old Testament, funny enough. Exodus 9, um, sorry, Exodus 33, verse 9. <laughs> Different part of Exodus, okay. This is why I should put my glasses on. So, um, so read these verses, and, and then we're gonna, we're gonna worship. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. This, this is such an amazing scripture, isn't it? Like, how is, how is it? How is it that a man before Jesus got to see God face to face? There must have been a veil or something, I don't know what God did, but you know, to speak to God face to face as a friend. This is Moses, people, this is pre-Jesus. Jesus tells us that we are all greater, so we're all greater than him. We're all greater than him because we are of the kingdom. This ability to go into the tabernacle, to be in God's presence and to talk to him face to face is a promise that we should expect. But too many of us have grown up in churches and too many of us have grown up with an attitude that we're gonna be the people, we're gonna stand at the tent, yeah, it's great, you go and meet God, the pastor, the worship leader, whatever it is, you go and lead us, you, you meet with God, you do what needs to be done, we're gonna stay here at our tents and we're gonna worship. But we're gonna stay here where it's safe. And we have to have the heart of Moses. And if Moses is too much, then have the heart of Joshua. I've read the scripture so many times before, and I've always thought somehow that Moses told him to stay. But it doesn't actually say that. Just think about this, every single person in that huge crowd of Israelites stayed at their tent except for one other man, a young man, who would go and sit outside the tabernacle. And he couldn't go in because he hadn't been invited by the Lord. But he would get as close as he could. And maybe the presence of the Lord kind of wafted out of that tent, I don't know, and he experienced, I am sure he did. But then Moses would leave 
and Joshua would stay. Like, where else would he go? Is it any surprise that this is the man that God calls to lead his people into the promised land? Of all the Israelites, the one man who would come close to his tabernacle, have the courage and the heart to seek intimacy with the Father and to be in his presence. And I'm sure the first time he did that, he thought he wondered if he was gonna die. It's such a beautiful picture. And yet, if we can get there, Jesus offers us more. I have torn the veil, I have made the way. Come boldly before the presence of your Father. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish just um, with a last little reference to Asbury. Worship team, do you guys wanna come up because we're gonna sing again. Um, Kath, this, is part, this connects to what Kath was saying before. Um, there is always this risk, there's always this thing when we, when we worship in secret that God's gonna speak to us and he's gonna push us into places that are difficult and, 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 and we all have the choice to surrender, okay? And that's between you and him. Um, but what can happen besides that is that we can have this attitude that we're not worthy. That shame or whatever it is might get in the way. We've sinned too much, we've done whatever. Um, as, as I'm sure all of you have heard, um, as the Asbury revival, what God was doing there started like every other serious revival has started was repentance. Like that's just what, that's just what happens, okay. And that's beautiful. What, what amazed me when I went there, um, it was, you know, the whole thing was amazing, but as I walked into the room, as I physically got into the place where the Lord had been moving and where the worship was happening, um, I, I encountered his love. And I thought that would, that would lead me onto my knees t- into repentance, as indeed it had to many people, and, and I've experienced that before. But what amazed me this time was that I, I realized that my sin didn't matter to him. Okay, now hear me right. Not that it doesn't matter, not that it doesn't have consequence. Of course, sin matters in that regard. But he had done it. He had defeated my sin. He had washed me clean. My sin was irrelevant to him because he was my savior and because he loves me and he was calling me into his presence and he was calling me into more intimacy. And the one thing that would stop me getting into intimacy with him was my own sense of sin. And he was, I don't care because that's what my blood did, I died, so that you could come. And I, I, I just, I believe, if we will press into worshiping him in secret, that we will encounter him there in the season, there is a grace for it, so please press in. Dance and sing, and pray and meditate, and love him and see how he responds. So will you stand and let's, let's worship him. I'm just gonna pray. Jesus, we are um, talking about secret worship, but we're gonna worship together now. And your presence has been so sweet here tonight. And we declare that you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. You are worthy. And Lord, I ask you by your spirit, 
Would you lead us into deeper intimacy? Lord, I ask that you would meet everyone here as they make time for you this week. Lord, would you take them into new things, new experiences of your voice, of your peace, of your joy, of the power of your word, of dreams. Would you increase in the secret place, Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Amen.